Welcome to the Living in Fierce Alignment podcast. My name is Kayla and I'm a personal trainer, entrepreneur, and mindset coach. In this podcast, I'm going to share with you all the goods through interviews with powerful women, sharing my experience coaching and training clients, and my personal insights to get you living fiercely in your life. So let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome back to the Living in First Alignment podcast. My name is Kayla. If this is your first time listening, welcome, and I'm very excited that you chose to listen to this episode. So today is episode number 22 that I'm recording, and currently I'm in Vancouver, BC for the week because I'm starting my training at my new job at Lululemon, downtown Vancouver, which I'm super excited about. And I'm really excited about recording this episode because I get to have a little nostalgia trip back down memory lane as I share with you what it was like living in China in 2015 to 2016 because that was, as my friend would call it, my year from hell, (laughs) which is a bit exaggerated. But at the same time, that was definitely one of the hardest years of my life. So I'm just going to share my journey of what it was like living in China because whenever I tell people that I lived in China, their reaction is like, what? That's so cool. Why were you there? So I thought it would be neat to have a podcast episode about it because it's interesting. And I learned a lot and it was such a great experience And it's amazing because even though it's been, you know, three, four years that I lived in China, I still have amazing lessons that I get to learn from as I reflect back on my journey. When I was in China, I was a planning teacher. So I taught nutrition, health and career. I had to teach sex ed, which was very interesting. And I also taught ESL and I taught girls physical education so I loved all the subjects I was teaching so basically I was teaching at a BC curriculum school so it was all Canadian teachers English speaking teachers and all the subjects that we taught were in English for the students and basically 99% of the students were Chinese students and there were some from Korea and other parts of Asia as well so it was a boarding school so I'm just going to backtrack now to give you the full story of how I, why I decided to go to China and how this whole thing started. From 2009 to 2015, I did my Bachelor of Education in Physical Education of French at the University of Victoria in BC, and it was a great program. I loved it because I was a varsity athlete for five years, and I loved the people that I was doing my course with. And the first four years, I would say, so I was in university for six years because I was working two part-time jobs and I was a competitive athlete, so I just spread everything out. And when I was going to university and doing this program, I loved it because it was really cool courses. There was a lot of anatomy, physiology, I was taking French of course, and then it was the last two years where we started doing more teaching classes and we did a four-month practicum, we did another two-week practicum, and I was in a middle school and high school, and it just wasn't sitting well with me. And I had this really deep gut feeling that I didn't want to be a high school teacher. And I thought, this is absolutely insane. But the thing is, I was 19 years old when I decided to start my degree. So let's just be real for a minute. Who the hell knows what they want to do for the rest of their life at 19 years old? 
So really, I went with the flow, and by the time I was 25 and I graduated, I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a teacher. But instead of trusting my intuition, I decided to really test the waters, and some of my girlfriends who were in my program said that they were going to China, and they had connections there because there were other people who graduated from Vancouver Island and, you know, University of Nanaimo and Victoria, and they were teaching at that school already, and they were recommending it. So I applied, and this was February 2015, and I graduated in June 2015. So I basically got the job in February 2015 before I even finished my degree, and I was really excited. I was really nervous, and I just remember being very stressed out and wanting to quit even before I started because it was just so much uncertainty about going to China you know, who does that? It's very foreign country, and some people know that it's a communist country, so it's extremely different than living in Canada. And the other thing that I was risking was being in a long-term relationship with my boyfriend. And I've shared this on other podcasts that I've been with my boyfriend for six and a half years, and we've been through a lot. Like, I even shared my episode number 12. I talk about getting my self-worth from being cheated on and we're still in a relationship together and we're still thriving so if you want to listen to that after you listen to this episode I highly recommend it that was a side note anyways when I took the job to go and work in China my boyfriend was actually studying in Singapore and we were both graduating that summer and we didn't know what to do with ourselves and he wanted to go to Toronto and I decided I'm going to go to China and I'm just going to try this out so fast forward a bit I moved to China in August 2015 and it's so funny because looking back and I think this is such a human thing where we try to figure everything out. I did all my research, I connected with teachers that were there, I wanted to know what the apartments were going to be like that we were living in. I was just asking all these questions and researching about China because I wanted to be as prepared as possible and this makes me laugh now because There was literally no level of research or conversation I could have had to prepare me to move to China because it was such a freaking culture shock. So we moved there. It was August 2015, halfway through the month. Me and my two girlfriends, and I remember when we arrived there, we stayed in Shanghai for about a week because we had to do our teaching English as a foreign language course so that was really crazy and I just remember thinking oh my god this is so cool you know comparing Shanghai to Singapore and then reality really hit when we moved to our town I guess or city you could call it but it was it was very industrial and it was in between if you know anything about China I was close to Shanghai and I was about an hour out of Shanghai and I was in between Shanghai and Suzhou so if you go look that up on the internet then you can kind of see on a map whereabouts I was so this city people did not speak English at all and we were literally the teachers at the school it was crazy because we were literally the only white people in the city so when we go to the grocery store when we would be walking around or riding bikes people would stare at us all the time and I just remember thinking this is absolutely insane like it was kind of like being a celebrity in a way but it was also just super invasive because you're just constantly being judged and assessed from a place of curiosity but 
it would definitely come across as rude in North America the way that we were being stared at and people would take pictures of us. So this was kind of my first impression when we first got to our town, Lushu, in August. And then we moved into our apartments and I was living in an apartment that was on the same campus as the school and bluntly said it was a shithole straight up I remember in the first week there was a cockroach in the apartment and throughout the year I was having major issues with my uh piping and I remember one time actually more than once that's such a lie it was like four times they had to take out the toilet and snake the drains to pull out you know what goes into toilets. There was literally shit and piss all over my bathroom floor. And it was just crazy. Like, the piping is not up to date, I guess you could say, in China. And there's so many issues with that. And I, I remember one night, too, there was a storm outside. And literally, at the same time, my kitchen was downstairs in the apartment. The power went out in the building. The kitchen sink pipe burst under the sink. And my apartment flooded. And it was like the craziest thing. Like I didn't know how to turn off the water. I was freaking out. And then I had to get some of my peers to come and help me mop up my apartment. And then I remember in the winter, it would get so cold. It, the building wasn't properly insulated. It was basically like cement and rebar and then single pane windows. And the weather in China, at least, you know, in that in that area, was so crazy because it would be so effing hot in the summer like it was literally 25 30 degrees until the end of October which being from Canada and especially on the west coast of Canada that's super weird usually you know you drop down to like 10 degrees and so in the winter I remember I used to sleep in my bedroom upstairs with the door shut and the heat blasting on 30 and I'd be sleeping in a hoodie under my blankets and then in the morning, I remember I would be like cringing to get out of bed because I'd go downstairs and I, when I'd open the door, I could see my breath. That's how cold it was in the apartment. And then I remember one morning I went downstairs and I was going to do my dishes and whatever and my sponge froze to the counter and I couldn't pull my sponge off the counter because it was so bloody cold in my apartment and it was just crazy because even the insulation and that in the school I would teach everyone would just be wearing a jacket all the time and we'd have the heat cranked but it's just like like I said like the infrastructure and the insulation just wasn't the same as what you would have in North America so it was just crazy because for me as a foreigner this was absolutely insane and it just the quality of living was so poor in that sense but it was just normal in China and it was very eye-opening because I remember I was so negative about it and I had a really hard time like the quality of food and it's just not the same as what's available in my home country and that's okay it's just different right but it was just very eye-opening to be grateful for simple things in life and that was one of the biggest lessons that I learned living in China you know, obviously you know that air pollution in China is crazy. And I just remember air pollution, if you've ever experienced it, it's literally suffocating. You can't escape it. I remember sitting in my apartment sometimes and it's like you can taste the air and you can taste like paint 
and chemicals and it, it's just it, there's just no escaping it it's crazy and I just remember when I came back to Canada I, when I moved to Toronto first of all which is like the biggest city in Canada and there's definitely pollution there I thought the air was so fresh you know and that just goes to show that it's all about context and it's all about your perception and how you compare your your future present experiences to what you went through in the past when I moved to China I thought I was going to have this happy-go-lucky Asian experience and obviously what I just shared the living situation was definitely challenging and I think it was a really rough start and why I call it my hell-bent year in China is because it just tested me on so many levels like my mental health was tested in terms of my attitude and being positive and I was really negative living there because I was I was miserable right and I'll elaborate a little bit on that because looking back if I were to, t to talk to myself from where I'm at now to that person then I would have told myself like you need to change your attitude because I was so righteous and I was I was just miserable and I that like looking back I'm actually embarrassed at times where I'm sure that I wasn't a fun person to be around because I was just so focused on the negative and I think that it hit me so hard living in China that I that's why I really dove into mindset transformation and mindset coaching over the last few years because it's just such a miserable way to live and you really attract more negativity in your life right so speaking of that we moved to China in August and I remember September was probably one of the most stressful months of my life and the reason why is because that was my first time ever teaching. So I mentioned earlier what I was teaching. And I also had I had six to seven different classes of students, which was about 120 students that I was responsible for. It was my first time ever teaching. I was teaching to students who were not very good at speaking English. So I had to retrain myself how to speak so that I would speak engaging and I was articulating properly so that they could understand me because it was so challenging for them and they were really intimidated and I was nervous and it was just trying to figure out how to put the create the content in a way that would engage them and they can understand it every single day and there was that and then of course I was in a long distance relationship with my boyfriend and in the same month I moved to China he moved to Toronto so I'm dealing with the culture shock of China teaching in China and then I also in September we weren't getting paid to the end of the month and that was literally the brokest I'd ever been at that point I had 22 grand of student debt I had no money because I basically hadn't worked in two months because we just started teaching in China and I remember I had to ask my mom to help me because I couldn't even furnish my apartment or buy food at that point and it was it was so brutal and the next worst thing that happened was my boyfriend was obviously going through his own transition in Toronto and I think it was it was really one of the hardest things hardest moments in our relationship when I had to say goodbye to him in August and leave and I'll never forget that morning because we said goodbye to each other and he was moving across the country I was moving across the world and I wasn't going to see him for like four and a half months until that Christmas which is a really long time and I, it was the middle of September. This was literally the worst moment of my entire experience in China. And I'm at this low with this debt, with this culture shock. And I remember my boyfriend, 
long story short, decided to break up with me. And I just was in complete shock because I was, I felt so alone. And I remember I was in my, my friend's apartment when this happened and I was just a complete wreck and there was nothing I could do. And if you've ever been in that situation where you're in a long distance relationship and you're trying to figure out communicating through technology and you're across the world, there's a 12 to 13 hour time difference. Like talking on the phone is not the same as being in person. And I just remember when this happened, I was just on my friend's floor and I was I was just crying, like a complete mess on the floor. And I, looking back, I'm laughing at myself, which is so mean, but I'm laughing at myself because this was literally such a pivotal moment in my life because that was a moment where I accepted. I remember thinking to myself, Kayla, this is literally the rock bottom. You're broke as fuck. You basically already have decided that you hate living in China. Your boyfriend just broke up with you. And you have another literally nine and a half months of being in this country. And I remember thinking, and it's funny because the irony is it was, it was such a positive thing. I thought it cannot get worse than this. This is the rock bottom and it's only uphill from here. That's it. And then this is literally the most important thing that I did physically and symbolically. I got off the floor. I took myself off the floor and I was just like, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to make this work. And it, it was a wild ride after that because the time went by so quick and this is the thing I'm sharing my story but this is also really important if you're in a tough situation right now you've ever been in a tough situation the quickest way out is to go through whatever you're going through and I just remember thinking you know I'm gonna do this here in China I'm gonna figure out what I'm gonna do moving forward with my relationship this is the brokest I'll ever be in my life because I'm going to make really good money now. I'm paying off my student debt and that's it. And I just decided that that was the lowest of the low and it was never going below that. So the following six weeks, I guess going into October, I spent that time just focusing on teaching and getting used to life in China and figuring out a routine and getting to know my peers. And long story short, obviously... I got back together with my boyfriend, so that was amazing, and obviously, it's tough. Long distance is really hard, and I'm just going to share this little snippet. China, I mentioned earlier, is a communist country, and they control so much, it's absolutely insane. You might not know this, but they have blocked Google. You cannot access Google from China. The only search engines you can use are like Yahoo, Bing, Bao. There's a few other Chinese ones that you can use. And they are controlled by the government. And other things like Snapchat, Instagram, Skype, Google email, Hotmail, all of that is not accessible in China. And so we had to use this app called WeChat, which is similar to WhatsApp, if you know what that is. And it it was pretty crazy because... These things are blocked so that China can really maintain the control and influence on their country. So we always had to use a VPN, which is a virtual private network, to be able to... It's basically 
your internet, long story short, is pretending to be searching from another country so that it doesn't realize that I'm in China and those those apps and everything become unblocked. So long distance relationship, there's 12 to 13 hours time difference. I'm getting used to living in China. He's living in Toronto. We have absolutely no stability in the sense that if you've ever moved to a new city, especially being basically alone, it's really hard. You just, I lost a sense of identity. I didn't know what the future was holding. And it was, it was really interesting because we barely talked in the sense that the connection for internet was so bad. It's not like we could just talk on the phone every night. There was a very small window where we could connect. And obviously we used what WeChat to message back and forth. But the biggest thing that I learned from being in a long distance relationship and handling a breakup and getting back together when you're across the fucking world from each other is you have to have a vision together. And there needs to be an end date. I've met people where, you know, they talk about doing long distance and they don't know how long it's going to last. And some people make it through that, but I'm not that type of person. And it was like, I knew that June 29th, 2016, I was moving to Toronto and we had similar goals of what we wanted to do together in the future. And we just focused on that because it was so easy to just get really insecure because obviously I don't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what I'm doing. And it, it that ego and insecurity is just fueled when things are out of your control. And that was really crazy because I had to learn how to surrender and how to trust again. And I think that that was a massive test to do long distance like that. Because we didn't see each other for four and a half months. We saw each other for a week in December 2015. And then we didn't see each other for six months after that. Because I went back to China over after Christmas and then I moved to Toronto and he came to visit me for a week in June before I moved to Toronto. So that was literally probably one of the hardest tests that I've ever experienced being in my relationship with my boyfriend and I learned so much from it. And those are my, my tips if you're in a long distance relationship. Got to be on the same page and it just takes being really open if you're being insecure about anything or you're, you don't trust them and really just like you don't trust yourself and you're lacking self-worth and value, right? So I definitely absolutely hated long distance. I mean, who likes it to be honest, but I learned so much from it and obviously, you know, the hardest lessons are the best lessons learned. So October comes around, and I'm going to talk about some fun stuff now because obviously this sounds really heavy and dreary, but there's some really amazing things that I did in China, and I loved it. So in October, me and my girlfriends and one of our new friends from Korea, we went to Hong Kong, and that was so cool. If you have ever gone to Hong Kong or you want to go to Hong Kong, I totally recommend it. We totally visited all around. The food was amazing. It was so cool because it was like city, but there's all these crazy hills and there's a lot of greenery because it's by the ocean. And it's very different than mainland China. And it's funny because there's a lot of politics and things if you are really into that about Hong Kong and China. But people from Hong Kong do not, quote, associate themselves with mainlanders. And they speak Cantonese in Hong Kong and Mandarin on the uh, mainland and if you come to Hong Kong and you're speaking Mandarin like you kind of get a cold shoulder so they really pride themselves on being separate from mainland China but obviously now things are changing a bit in nowadays history or whatever you want to call it but 
the point is, when I was there, it was amazing to be able to see another part of China that was so different, and I absolutely love that. And we did cool things like we went to Disneyland, and we went up to the peak, and if you don't know what that is, I definitely recommend Googling it, and if you're going to Hong Kong, you have to do it, because you can see all over Hong Kong, which is so beautiful. So then I came back to Shanghai, I'll call it, and we taught until December, and in December, I went back to Toronto, and that's when I visited Toronto for the first time ever, and I was there for a week, and I was obviously with my boyfriend, and, you know, I got to explore around Toronto, and I was really excited to come back to Canada, because I was just missing it, like, I was just counting down the days in China, and this is where the attitude piece plays in. The reality is, my days in China were limited, and I was so focused on the future that I think I missed out a lot in China and what I mean by that is I could have spent more time on weekends traveling around China and really just embracing the culture and having more appreciation for the good things like the food and honestly Chinese people are, are so friendly like I remember one time my girlfriends and I we went biking into this little countryside area close to the school and some people there were legitimately living in shacks on like a ravine and they had their farmland and I remember we ran into this this couple and they welcomed us into their house and they were like showing us their photo album and it was crazy because they could not speak a lick of English and we could not speak a lick of Chinese so we're trying to use WeChat and like translator to communicate with them but they were just so friendly and one thing I love about Chinese culture is how much they value their family because when we'd go into Lushu and we would go to the markets and check out the stores it's something that I would never see in North America it's like the parents and the grandparents are there and the kids are running around like it's just very family oriented and they really value taking care of each other and that's something that I really loved about China was how much they value their grandparents and the kids grow up with the grandparents and that was something that I thought was really beautiful about the culture and Sometimes I think that lacks in North America, to be honest. So when I came back from Toronto, again, that was so hard to say goodbye to my boyfriend and fly back to China. And I remember, because of my state of mind, just, you know, having this resentment and hate towards China, when I was on the plane coming back from Toronto, and this happened every time I left Toronto and came back, even from Hong Kong back to Shanghai, when the plane, this is just to like paint a picture of pollution for you. On the plane coming down to land in Shanghai, you know how you like come down on a plane and you see the clouds and it's like white outside? The clouds are brown, actually brown. So you're looking out the window and you see brown. And then you come down and you, you see the city, but it looks cloudy, but it's actually hazy. And the sun kind of has this orange tint to it. Like, obviously, you've seen, if you're from North America or anywhere where you've seen forest fires and you get that haze of smoke, it's like that. And I remember coming down and I knew I had six months ahead of me where I wasn't going to see my boyfriend and I would just, I was just crying on the plane. I was so upset and, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy how in that moment, I could have been grateful that I got to see him for Christmas and grateful that I had this experience ahead of me and 
I was so sad and I think it's okay to be sad but I that really followed me the whole time that I lived in China and that is something that is so important and I know the next time that I'm really facing something tough in life is I will definitely have more awareness about my attitude in the moment and seeing even the toughest moments as an opportunity to learn and even though it might not seem like it in the moment it's a gift that tough moment is a gift because it makes my skin thicker it teaches me lessons that I can share with people like obviously this this experience in China I'm now sharing it with you right so we came back from Christmas and we worked for three weeks and then we went to Thailand so I went to Thailand there was seven of us that ended up going together in February which is Chinese New Year so we had three weeks off that was the other amazing thing about working in China so because we were BC curriculum school we had all the BC holidays and we had all the Chinese holidays so we literally in the school year on top of having the summer off we had like six weeks off plus summer off and still got paid for it so that's definitely something you know you don't get that in North America that was a major plus you know like we go to Thailand for three weeks and we still get paid for it, which is amazing. So we went to Thailand in February for three weeks and we landed in Bangkok and then we went up to Chiang Mai and then we went down and we were on the, I believe the east side of Thailand and we went to Koh Phi Island, we went to um, Koh Phangan and Koh Tao and Krabi. And I'll never forget, I'm going to share this one story because I'm sure people who've traveled in Asia have probably experienced this on some level. We were on Kopipi Island and we were meant to be there for like two days, not even. What happened was three of my friends were staying in a room together and one of them got really sick and we thought it was a hangover and it just kept getting worse and we we're talking out both ends and she was so ill that I walked her across the island to the hospital. And when we got to the hospital, it was crazy because it was just very different than obviously, again, what you would see in North America. And what I mean by that is the ladies there were walking around in bare feet. They weren't wearing gloves. They took her blood sample and it was just kind of sketchy, right? And they ended up getting her hooked up. She had a bacterial infection. So they got her hooked up to an IV because she was so dehydrated and so ill. So I'm hanging out with her there. And then another friend that was in the same room, he was really sick and he wasn't getting better. So his girlfriend, who was also in the same room, the three of them, brought him to the hospital. And she was filling out the paperwork and I was with my other friend who was in the bed getting the IV drip and he went to the bathroom. And I could hear him, he was throwing up, and there was literally just the four of us in this hospital, which is kind of funny to think about now because it's so easy to get sick in Thailand. So he's, it, he's getting sick in the bathroom, and all of a sudden, I hear a huge crash. So I run in, and the ladies working in the hospital are like these tiny little Muslim ladies, and they're absolutely adorable. So we walk in the bathroom, and he had fainted and broke the sink off the wall. There's water all over the floor. He's passed out on the floor, and I was in complete disbelief. I couldn't believe it. So we lifted him up, put him on the bed, and they hooked him up to an IV drip. And then sure enough, within a few hours, his girlfriend, who was in the same room, got sick. 
And the three of them were, like, out both ends, hooked up to an IV. They were so ill. And so we got stuck on this island for, like, three days, which was just brutal because it's, if you've been to Kopipi, it is just, it's just a party island, which is great, but not when you half your group of friends is dying in the hospital. So it was, it was interesting, but, I mean, that's just all part of the experience of backpacking, right? And I absolutely loved Thailand, and I would definitely recommend going if you've never been before. The food is amazing, the sun, the beaches, everything is so, it's so beautiful, and I, I had a great time. And I was there for three weeks, went to a bunch of different islands, we went to an elephant sanctuary, we did a very authentic Thai cooking class, we did a Muay Thai boxing up in Chiang Mai, we went to Khao San Road in Bangkok, which is like the biggest tourist street in the city, and it was an absolute blast. So that was a major highlight of living in China, being able to fly to Thailand for like 500 bucks, which obviously, if you live on the other side of the world, you know that it costs at least a grand. One of the other amazing things that happened in the new year of 2016 was if some of you know me, you've listened to my podcast, I absolutely love rugby. And I remember I missed it so much when I was in China because it was the club, the rugby club was in like the thick of Shanghai. It was a four hour commute from Lushu to go to Shanghai. And I ended up connecting with one of the girls on the team and I told her I wanted to come out on the weekend. So in January 2016, before we went to Thailand, I started going out to Shanghai to play rugby and that was honestly one of the coolest things ever in my life because when I showed up to this rugby club, it was called the Shanghai Rugby Club, there was people, there was a men's team, there was a women's team, literally everyone was from all over the world. There was myself and another person out of like, I don't know, 40 people that were from Canada, everyone else was from France, South America, Zimbabwe, um, England, anywhere that you can think of the Philippines all over the place it was it was so cool to have people from all over the world different accents different experiences and just coming together and playing rugby and I absolutely loved it so I was going into Shanghai on the weekends and we'd have rugby training on Saturdays and then we'd usually go out that night and then I would go back to Lushu on Sundays and I did that for the last six months I was in China and one of my girlfriends that I met there, we're still friends three years later, which I think is so beautiful to have that experience, right? And so we went to Thailand. After that, I actually went back to Hong Kong, and I played in a rugby tournament in April 2016. So I went back with the Shanghai Rugby Club, and it was amazing. If you know anything about rugby, there's the International Sevens Tournament that happens in different countries around the world, and there's always... The, turn, the men's tournament that happens in Hong Kong. And so we went and we were playing in a tournament first, and then that seventh tournament was a couple days after. So we went and we played in a 10-a-side tournament, and it was really cool because there was a team from Australia and obviously a bunch of other teams from around Asia. And the really neat thing was for the women's side, we didn't have a lot of players. So on, on my team, there was there was a girl from Jordan, there was a girl from America, there was a girl from, a couple girls from Finland, and then there was myself from Canada. It was super random, and we ended up collaborating with the Shanghai University varsity rugby team, and so when we went out to Hong Kong, we were playing with them, and they were incredible athletes, and the crazy thing is, they could not speak English. 
So at one point, I was playing on the field, and it was myself, the only white person on the freaking field with my team, and the rest of them were all Chinese. And I could not believe that I was able to play with them. And they knew the, the classic words, if you know anything about rugby, like ruck, maul, tackle, knock on, that kind of thing. But in terms of communicating, I could not believe that I was playing rugby on a field with people who could not speak English, and we were winning games. We, we ended up coming in second because we played against this crazy Australian New Zealand team, and they were like these massive, strong women, and we were like much smaller, you know, mix of myself being like 5'2", and then my Chinese rugby team were like petite but strong women. So we totally got our butts kicked in the finals, but... It was an incredible experience to be able to play a sport that I love so much and not have to be speaking the same language. It, it was amazing because it showed me that playing rugby or just playing any sport, if you can relate to this, is playing a sport, you know, it's an art and it's, it's, it's like music, it's, it's its own language. And I thought that was such a cool experience to be able to travel to Hong Kong and play rugby with a Chinese rugby team and, you know, get to spend time in that city again because I really loved Hong Kong. That was definitely one of my favorite highlights of being in China. Another cool thing that we did with the girls that I went to China with was we went to South Korea in May and I never thought I would go there, but we went because one of the friends that we made at the school that we were teaching at, she was from Korea. So we went to Seoul and we spent like four or five days there and it was amazing. If you've ever been to South Korea or not, I highly recommend it because it was so cool. The nightlife is amazing. Shopping there was next level. You know how you go to some places, some countries, and they have their street shopping that you can do? This was like buying Aritzia off the streets but for a quarter of the price. And the quality of their clothes and their shoes is amazing. And the other thing that they super value in Korea is skincare. So, no kidding, they would have different shops where you could go in and get skincare, face masks, treatment, whatever. Literally the equivalent of freaking Starbucks. And, you know, North American Starbucks is all, all over the place. So that was super cool and it was amazing because the street food was also incredible. It wasn't sketchy at all. Like you could be eating like chicken and you know all these gross veggies and things that they would just do and you can walk around until late at night and it was really easy to navigate through the city as well because their subway system was absolutely insane. And I just, I loved that, that trip. It was so fun. We did tons of shopping and it was really close to China. Like it was like a couple hour flight, right? Then June came and I was so excited because my boyfriend came to visit me for a week and he wrote his CFA exam that he was studying for and he came out to China to visit me and that was so amazing. So we literally had gone just over six months without seeing each other and it was worth it. And if you're in a long-distance relationship, you better know that you get to choose if your relationship works or not. I cannot stress this enough. And so when he came to visit me, it was really cool. I got to show him the school I taught at. You know, he got to stay in my apartment. And then we went into Shanghai, and we did tons of exploring and eating at different restaurants. And we went to the Bund, which is like the famous financial district downtown Shanghai. 
and it was great. And then he visited for a week, and then he went back to Toronto, and then three weeks later, I moved to Toronto, and that was it. And it was crazy how by the end of it, I couldn't believe how quick the year had gone by. And obviously, I shared, it was just such an extreme experience, you know, and I shared about the living conditions. And also, the other thing too, was one thing that really took a hit for me was my health. And I have never been sick so much in my life. I was in China for 10 and a half months, I got sick eight times. And I got sick to the point where I had to take time off work. And it was just because obviously my body wasn't used to what it was like in China in terms of the bacteria and the viruses there. And the other thing too is that their hygiene is just not the same. This sounds crazy, but in the washrooms, the student washrooms in the school, they had cold running water, they didn't have hot running water, and they didn't have soap in the bathrooms. So, you know, you always, and even traveling around in Asia, especially whenever you go anywhere, never expect the bathrooms to be in good condition, ever. Like, we're talking like pee stains up the wall. I'm not even exaggerating right now. Always bring your own toilet paper. Always have your own hand sanitizer. And, you know, I remember there was this canal or this ravine going through the property at the school that I was working at and there's a massive lake in the back and the lake like you think of a lake but it's like it was it was extremely polluted we're talking brown and it would not be uncommon that you'd see dead fish floating around and I remember the women cleaning in the school they would go to their the little canals and they would just take the water from the canals bring it into the school and they would wash the floor with that water and they would just take them off and just move the water around on the floor. Like, it, it was just so crazy how different it was in terms of hygiene. And I remember when I first moved to China, too, I really wanted to, you know, recycle and, and all that stuff. And they're like, no, no, Kayla, you don't recycle here. You just throw everything out into the garbage. And it was just, it was wild to think that in some ways China was so efficient and other ways... It was just chaotic. And even behaviorally, you know, I'd be waiting in line to be in Shanghai, waiting in line somewhere, and I would have to be right up behind that person. And that was one thing that was definitely missing in Asia. And it's just because the population is so high is personal space is not a thing. Like when you sit on a subway, you are touching legs and shoulders and knees with people around you. There's no personal space. And when you're in line for something, you better make sure you're right behind that person in front of you because they'll just, people will just budge in front of you. And one thing that really blew my mind and I noticed this so much when I moved to Toronto is, say for example, getting on and off the subway. Usually the subway pulls up, the people waiting to get on the subway will stand off to the side so the people on the subway can just get out and then the people who want on go on. In Shanghai what would happen is the doors would open and it's like a free-for-all and people are just shoving and pushing and you just have to fight for your your place and it's crazy because it's not being rude you know it is for you know looking comparing to my experience living in in North America yeah it's extremely rude but it's it's crazy because no one takes it personally and even when you bump shoulders with someone and you're walking you know maybe this is such a Canadian thing where you say oh I'm sorry no no you just keep going and it's it's pretty crazy, you know, how it just works. It just that just works for China. And I, I remember being so 
angry and I could just never wrap my head around, you know, the way that I would describe it is just a lack of integrity. There's a lot of times, especially working at the school, where we would be told that things would happen a certain way and they wouldn't happen at all and no one would take responsibility for it. And it would just leave a lot of frustration. And there's things that were just really inefficient. And it made me a very angry person when I lived in China. And I was obviously so frustrated because my health took a hit. The other thing was I stopped working out. And one of the reasons why I did because when I would go to the gym in Lushu, I was the only white girl and I remember I would be working out and the Chinese people would be taking pictures of me while I was working out, which is so weird. And I, there was nothing I could do or say. They can't understand English. I can't be Chinese. And they're just like so amazed, I guess, that there's a white girl working out in their gym. And you would never, you would never be surprised if that would happen, because after a while, I just got used to it. And the other crazy thing was, the the town I lived in, Lushu, it was more of an industrial place, and I remember one time I was walking along the way, and uh, there was a group of white men who were sitting outside at a restaurant, and I, I literally went up to them, and I said, oh my god, do you speak English? Because that is how scarce it was to have Caucasians living in Lushu and they're like yeah you know we speak English like we're working at a factory nearby and I was like oh my god like it, it was crazy if we ever saw a white person in Lushu it was it was a big deal because you know we just had ourselves as teachers so it was just a very isolating experience as well being a foreigner and an expat in China and looking back as I keep saying it was my attitude that would have made the biggest difference and I think Having gratitude and being appreciative and focusing on the positive would have taken those really hard moments that I had and just made them more enriching and the positive would have expanded more. And I think that that was the biggest lesson that I learned from China was looking back that day in September when I was on the floor crying because everything was falling apart it's so important to trust that if you're going through something really hard, you have to pick yourself up off the floor. No one else can do it for you. And I had no idea what was coming ahead of me. You know, when I shared everything, I obviously got back together with my boyfriend. I traveled to Hong Kong twice. I went to Thailand. I went to Toronto. I went to Korea. I played rugby. There's so many amazing things that came after that moment. And I think that that moment happened because I was taking things for granted in life and it was very very eye-opening and my whole experience of being in China I still knew the entire year that I didn't want to be a teacher and it makes me laugh there's nothing wrong with being a teacher but when I left China and I went to Toronto and I became a personal trainer that was becoming more aligned with what I really wanted to do which obviously now is mindset coaching and working one-on-one -on -one with people and helping them realize the power of their mind and I really hope that me sharing this experience with what it was like living in China was inspiring for you to just really check out the really tough times in your life and really be grateful for those moments and not hold resentment because I could have resented my time in China and felt like it was a waste of time because I wasn't really happy and there's things I stopped doing like working out and I was experiencing a lot of anxiety and there was a lot of stress there, but I lived. I'm thriving now and 
it's so critical to have those hell-bent years and those years from hell or whatever you want to call them where every aspect of your life is so challenging and all those amazing things all those amazing things happened and I paid off like 13 grand of my student debt it just takes trusting yourself that you can get what you want and believing that whatever it is you're going through asking and being curious I wonder what the lesson is I wonder what the universe has in store and just surrendering and going with the flow and it's been three four years since I lived in China and I still look back I still talk about it I still am learning lessons from it and here's the reality what happened in China has not changed in the last three or four years what's changed in the last three or four years is my mindset and my beliefs and my attitude and if you're ever in a situation where you need to or you want to forgive something in the past, you cannot change the past. All you can change is how you see it. And that will bring so much freedom for these moments where you are experiencing a tough time in life and things aren't going your way. And no matter what, there's always a lesson to learn. There's always a blessing and life is full of gifts. I'm not trying to sound cheesy, but I'm being serious. And we always have the choice to choose how we experience what is happening to us, more like what's happening for us in our life. So with that being said, there's much more I could speak about in terms of my experience in China, but I just wanted to share this story because I actually haven't said anything about it much on my podcast. And even though it was only 10 and a half months in China, it had a really big impact on my life. So I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. If you enjoy my episodes, please, please, please subscribe. I'm always releasing new ones every week. Please leave a review because this helps get the popularity up so that more people can find it. Because really my intention is just to share my passion, share my story, and make a difference for you. So thank you so much for listening because what would be the point of me having a podcast if you weren't listening? So I'm very grateful for you. And I really hope that you continue to listen. And I look forward to creating more content for you. So with that being said, have a great day. And I will see you in the next episode.